20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What is up, Packers fans? Welcome back to another episode of Pack a Day Podcast. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ross Uglum. Uh, today, we have a really fun episode for you guys. It's the it's on, on the rookie class uh, for Brian Gutekunst. We did have, we had a really fun, exciting uh, guest lined up. Unfortunately, that didn't work out today. Hopefully, in the future, we can, uh, we can make that work. But uh, plenty of fun stuff still to talk about, Ross. Um, Ross, how are you? I'm good, man. It's good to uh, be back on the show. Uh, we had a little... Um, miscommunication last time, but we're in the new house. I'm in the new studio, so very pleased uh, to finally have my uh, very brief bout with homelessness over. <laughs> yeah, that, well, congratulations, man. Uh, yeah, and we did. Uh, it's been like over a month since we've had a show together, so I'm sure the people, the people that have been clamoring for Ross and Jake, they can rest at ease. We are back, and we got some fun stuff to talk about. Ross, I want to jump right into it because. Um, you know, the Packers have definitely been a team that I think a lot of people, there's a lot of doom and gloom kind of around them right now. I know looking back at even the last couple of podcasts on this very, uh, this very pack a day podcast uh, series, you know, people have been talking about, okay, so Mike McCarthy's done. And you know what? I'm kind of, uh, I'm, I'm in, I'm, I'm in that club. Um, Ross, I don't know where you're at with, with that right now. But I, I'm definitely in that club. I I tweeted out the other day. I said, you know, Mike McCarthy. I think he's a very good coach, but I just don't think he's the coach for this team anymore. And we don't need to talk about it a ton. But Ross, are you in that club yet? Yeah, I'm there. Um, I think you're exactly right. I think it's it's time. Uh, the, yeah, there's really nothing else to say. Uh, yeah. It's time. And, um, no. I'm with you, and that's that. Yeah, you, you, you're there's there's not much else to say. It's going to get talked about at nauseum, but uh, we don't need to spend a lot, a lot of time on it. People are already speculating with, you know, who their guys are, and 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 I'm thinking maybe it's a little bit early for that, but that's something we haven't had to deal with in 13 years. So uh, consider ourselves lucky. And I did say, and and I will say, uh, Mike McCarthy's tenure in Green Bay. I really strongly believe that it is one we are going to look back up fondly on. I mean, look, Ted Thompson's just getting inducted to the Hall of Fame, and I think it, it's going to be kind of something like that, where it was just, okay, the last couple of years, like you just said, it, it's time. Um, but so you can kind of say, you know, you know, things haven't been going the way you maybe would have expected them or wanted them to go for Green Bay this season. But one thing that I think you can really look at, and it's kind of a silver lining to this season, is how well Brian Gutekunst's first draft class has been playing. Um, you can really look at that and say, okay, they, they have a guy in place that if he can keep hitting on, if he can keep, you know, getting this ammunition and hitting on these picks like he has in this last class. I mean, you've seen it before. Look at, uh, you know, like the Kansas City Chiefs this year, or, you know, they're a playoff team last year, but they're a legit Super Bowl contender this year with, you know, how quick teams can really just like turn, turn it around in one season. And when you have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, uh, that's, there's, there, I think there's just a few tweaks that they they would need to make. But um, Ross, let's look at let's look at their draft class from this last year. Let's just go through them pick by pick. Um, I will tell you what I would give for a grade. I'll briefly talk about it, and then Ross, I want you to tell me if I'm either spot on or if I'm an idiot. 
for being way off. So the first guy, obviously, um, that they picked this year is Jair Alexander, uh, the cornerback out of Louisville. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to, oh, look at that. Wow. I, <laughs> my Apple Watch actually just heard me say Jair Alexander and it was just giving me the stats. Maybe it could give me a grade too. But anyways, um, so Jair Alexander, first, uh, first round pick. I think he's been playing really, really well. I think the national spotlight has kind of been starting to shine on him a little bit. I would give him right now, I would give him an A+. I think that's he's playing about as good as, as you could want, especially a rookie corner to play. So I'm going with an A+, on him, Ross. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, that's right. He, it's, it's a, if he's a top 10 corner in the league, which is you know kind of where – Pro Football Focus has him at this time. Uh, that that absolutely makes him an, an A plus. I mean, that's what you're looking for um, when you draft a guy that high, uh, especially when somebody gives you a, uh, a, a an additional first round pick to do it. Yeah, and that's and and, and you know I'm not even I'm not even factoring that into the equation. I'm just saying. You know specifically how he's played. I think you already give him an A plus, and then you get bonus points for the additional first round pick. You know, some people have been saying, you know, uh, Derwin James has been playing very good football for San Diego, and you could even make the argument that he has he's had a better rookie year than Jair Alexander. But that's not the entire equation. What what are they going to end up getting with that pick next year? I think you have to tie that directly to him. So overall, I, I think that's a brilliant first move by by uh, Goody. I think it's paying off, and I think we're just going to see it get better and better. Um, where do you where do you see Jair projecting in the future, Ross? I mean, what what is this guy's realistic upside if he realizes it? Yeah, I think you'd have uh, like a, a a rich man's Brent Grimes or a poor man's Charles Woodson uh, kind of deal, where you've got a guy uh, that I don't think would ever maybe make it to like Woodson's level, but that has a chance to, you know, be that level where you are um, constantly worried about him on defense. So he's playing uh, nickel. He's playing outside. He's playing where you need him to play. But wherever he's playing, he's tilting the field. And that, I think, is is really what's important is just the way that he – consistently does or does not uh, affect the, the the football game. And, and that's where I think you're going to really consistently see him, I think, as a, a positive because he affects the game, maybe not in as many ways as Woodson did, but at the same time, very, very effectively. Like, I, I don't know if he's, as, you know, a blitzer or a fumble forcer or things like that, but He's just a pure, pure speed cover corner. And uh, when you have the agility to match up with inside guys and you have the vertical to be able to contest the big guys outside, uh, you, you really take a lot off of your um, defensive coordinator's plate. Absolutely. And I think as you, know, as you talk about his play on the field, but there are just certain guys that tend to elevate the guys around them. And I'm not comparing Jair Alexander to like an Ed Reed or a Ray Lewis or those ty- those types of guys, but doesn't it just seem to you that he just has that type of swag that guys are going to rally to him? I mean, you saw before the game last week, 
he was the guy in the huddle getting guys jacked up for the game. That's not something you see very often um, from a rookie. And it's, you know, there's guys that, that talk, that like to chirp and do stuff like that. But guys don't always follow them. If you if you understand what I'm saying, where it's almost, you know, it's kind of like I'm going to compare it to like James Winston is a guy that likes to chirp. He likes to talk. But his teammates almost kind of roll their eyes when he says stuff. Jair is not that guy. He's the guy that he, he's running his mouth and he's having fun and guys are having fun with him. And that's, to me, what's really exciting because that's the unscouted stuff. That's That's kind of the stuff you don't really know if you have that or not in a player until they've kind of, come in and, and kind of put in uh, the work with, and the veterans are, are following this dude. So to me, that's just really exciting, just how he's been able to really elevate the play and the energy um, in that secondary. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, that you're, you're exactly right. He, from a leadership standpoint is way beyond, you know, what you would anticipate from, from a rookie. Which, yeah, so exciting stuff for him. So so I think Ross and I are both across the board with an, an A-plus slam dunk first or first, yeah, first pick for uh, Brian Gutekind. So uh, off to a great start for him. Uh, second pick, uh, your guy, the 45th overall pick in uh, last year's draft class, uh, Josh Jackson. For me, he's a guy that he seems like the transition to the NFL. Um, you've seen flashes. He's more of what you'd expect in my opinion, from a, a rookie corner, his transition, where sometimes it looks like the game is pretty fast for him. Uh, things maybe aren't slowing down as much. And, you know, some of that might come into the fact that he's, you know, he only played one, he played one year of major college football, had a great, fantastic, highest scoring uh, year that pro football focus has ever had for a corner. But I think you're starting to see uh, maybe with him, some of the stuff, uh, something starts to unravel in front of him and him not really having an answer for certain things. Um, so for for Josh Jackson, I think I would give him just a flat C right now um, and, and thinking he's going to get better because if you judge him off of the stuff he's done well, that's exciting. Um, but he's also made some mistakes as well. So, Ross, uh, either tell me I'm right or, or defend your guy a little bit here. No, and I think uh, you are right. I think he is kind of you know, a, a little bit more, uh, certainly taking the, the learning curve, but you have to keep in mind that he's being played out of position in, in no way. would I see Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson and look at their athleticism and look at the, the things that make them football players and then decide to put Josh Jackson in the slot and GR, Jair Alexander outside. Uh, it makes no sense to me. Uh, Jair is shorter slot. Jair is quicker slot. I I don't understand how they have decided to match Josh Jackson up in an unfamiliar uh, position um, in, you know, something that maybe isn't suited uh, for, for a guy that, yeah, I, I mean, he's a, He's a zone boundary corner, the same as Kevin King. Uh, not that they can't play other techniques, but th- that's where the bread is buttered. So why you would want him playing, uh, you know, a bunch of, of, of inside corner nickel stuff, uh, I, I don't get it. I, I don't understand the way that he's being used. I, I like him as a, as a tight end weapon, you know, kind of guy to take stuff away. But they did that for – 
one week and then it stopped. Uh, and, and then they just decided that, well, he, he matched up well against tight ends. Maybe we'll keep him inside. And I, I don't, I don't like it. I don't understand what they're doing. He needs to play outside cornerback and uh, this could be his chance. You know, I, I think that it would make a lot more sense to have Breland, you know, press guys inside and reroute guys trying to run slot routes and have King and, and, and Jackson outside. But um, I, I, yeah, that's my issue with it. And part of it is because I just continue to believe in Josh Jackson as a prospect and refuse to think that what I saw on film was, you know, a flash in the pan. When you talk about, you know, he, he is a zone corner and he was able to come in and kind of play in that slot role and be that tight end racer. So part of me thinks, you know, and, and kind of buys into the fact, it, you know, is he eventually going to end up as a safety in the NFL? Um, I don't know where you fall with that. And per- personally, I would like to see him get a shot playing outside corner first before that, because in my opinion, I just think that's a much more valuable position than safety. Um, and he's kind of done. He's kind of had some safety looks this year. Uh, so, and I think that's kind of why they want to keep him inside. Um, but kind of agreeing with you as well, Ross, I, you know, outside corner is a, is a premium position. You might have a guy that can play it really well. So I don't know what your thoughts are on that. If he's, if you think he's eventually going to end up at safety or, or what with that? No, you nailed it. I mean, he is an outside corner and a darn good one. And it's a premium position. Uh, you, you can get safeties, you know, uh, I, I think it's a lot easier to get a safety than it is to get a, a premium outside cornerback. You, you see guys that succeed uh, from, you know, I think lower draft positions, sometimes even undrafted spots where, you know, Green Bay's had guys uh, with, with varying levels of success, of course. I mean, Kentrell Bryce, whatever you may think of him. But, but my point is that you can kind of get it done with a third or a fourth round pick at safety, usually you can get it done as we saw this off season with a very inexpensive free agency signing. Uh, that's where you can kind of cheap out. If it doesn't work out at cornerback, do I think he could play safety? Sure. But there's no reason to default to that. Yeah. And I, yeah, I'm with you. And even talking about, I mean, gosh, well, how do the, what do the Packers value? You know what I mean? Look at what they've done with their safety position just in the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, haha ha got jettisoned out of there. How, how it was almost poetic justice too to see Julio Jones catch his first touchdown. And I, I just remember watching the red zone channel and I'm just like, who's 20? Oh, that's, oh, that's ha ha getting stiff armed and, 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 and carried into the end zone. Um, so that was kind of funny to me, but then Jermaine Whitehead too, like my goodness, I was kind of thinking about, you know, I just was having some thoughts and thinking, you know, Jim Leonard was kind of that guy that was, you know, not all there as far as athleticism, but he was such a smart football player that Mike Pettin just took him everywhere with him. And so I'm kind of starting to think, okay, you know, Mike Pettin must have like an affinity for Jermaine Whitehead because, you know, I don't really see it, but they, they rave about how smart he is. So maybe, maybe that's it. And then he, you know, he, he open fist slaps a guy and gets, gets cut. So uh, what they're doing at the safety position, um, it clearly – uh, they don't. It doesn't. To me, it wouldn't appear that they they value the safety position that highly. Which honestly, if you look at the trend in the NFL, Ross, it looks like a lot of teams don't. Yeah, if you're not, 
you know, really going after that single high, Malik Hooker, Earl Thomas, even Jamal Adams, superstar level field tilting guy. The NFL has really figured out that kind of anybody can do it as far as your your box safety or your your split safety and cover two. Uh, that position is not a difficult one to fill. There are positions certainly that are a lot more difficult than that. One of them, like you said, being being outside corners. So you're exactly right. I mean, it's not just Green Bay. I don't know if disrespecting is the right word, but it's not just Green Bay that's you know uh, driving down the market for safeties or or uh, showing a lack of concern at the safety position. It's the entire league. Right, and it's, you know, you want as many guys that can cover on the field as you can right now because tackling is borderline illegal in the NFL anyway. So I think just the safety position in general has just changed so much. You That that guy, that intimidator over the middle, he doesn't exist anymore. And he there's not a place for him anymore in today's NFL. So I think that has something to do with it. Um, but we'll see. That, that's an interesting thing to watch moving forward too, just as, you know, the NFL kind of turns into a flag football league. Uh, but the next guy was, let's look up, make sure, Oren Burks, where, where did he get drafted at? He was the 88th overall pick, so still a top 100 guy, inside linebacker from Vandy. Um, you know, my thing for him is last week you, it might have even been you, Ross, that said this, but, you know, you, you draft a guy like this that's just, uh, you know, an athletic phenomenon, and you want him for a game like this where there's a James White, there's, you know, a Rob Gronkowski who didn't play obviously, but you want that really athletic inside linebacker. That's going to give you some coverage ability. And so that is the type of game that they drafted Oren Burks for. And he, they threw him out there, you know, a bit. And even this season, he looked good in the preseason, but he just, he looks very overwhelmed right now. He is a very athletic guy that is playing slow because you can just tell the wheels are turning and he is not there yet mentally. And I just don't think, He's on. He's he's honestly. He looks like a liability out there at times. Um, so I would give him. I would give him a C minus just because he has flashed. Um, but I think he's got a lot. Of, he's got a long ways to go. He's still. Um, he's still got the athletic traits. But I to me, he's not a guy I would trust to be on the field right now. And if Blake Martinez gets hurt, um, I know Ross. You don't, and I don't really either. Give it. You know. A, I mean, kind of like the safety position inside linebackers, kind of one of those things that unless you have a special, special guy, it's kind of ho-hum, whatever. But if Blake Martinez gets hurt, that that, that actually would worry me if, um, you know, Oren Burks was their de facto number one inside linebacker. So I'd give him a, a C minus right now. Um, I don't, I'm wondering where you would grade him out, Ross. Yes, yeah, C uh, is, is fine with me. Um, I, he's just a guy that at this point, is exactly what we thought he was going to be. Uh, and then we were given reason to be a little bit more optimistic than that. He's a project. He's a free safety convert into middle linebacker in college. Uh, they want him to play linebacker now because of his athletic upside. He's just not ready. And I think that really actually showed, you know, in Vanderbilt as well. He was not very good his senior year. Uh, I think he, he really got drafted more on leadership, uh, qualities which he has in, in spades and frankly uh, special teams capability and athletic upside because what he put on film his senior year was not inspirational yeah agreed and he's yeah, absolutely he's a, he's a traits type player you draft him and think 
he is very early on his timeline of his development. And hopefully that's the case. Um, I mean, he did some he did some really nice things in preseason, um, which is really where an athletic guy like that, you know, in a vanilla type offense versus a vanilla type defense, he can really just go out and fly around. So that's the type of guy I'm hoping that, you know, can emerge in the next couple of years. But right now I'd say you know, he's a C minus, maybe even D plus type of grade, but I would probably err on just the, the C minus. Um, the next pick um, for the Packers is really the first one that I'm going to be kind of harsh on um, for a number of reasons, but it was pick 133, and that is Jamon Moore. And the reason I'm going to be harsh on it is just because the other two receivers, how they've been able to pass them. So it's kind of a – it's not the worst type of grade because two of the, two of the three guys so looks, look like they're about to hit. Um, but Jamon Moore obviously being the, the, the higher of the three draft picks – you know, my, my expectations for him um, were were relatively high coming into this season. I thought he could be the guy that could step up and be that 400, 500 yard type receiver his rookie year. Um, all early indications were pointing towards that in camp. He was kind of kind of the hot name in camp the first two, three weeks. You know, he just hasn't been able to even get on the field. And so that's, to me, concerning, especially with the injuries starting to strike and maybe you know, maybe he'll have a chance here with uh, Geronimo going down and Randall still looking like he's not super healthy. Um, I understand Trevor Davis is back, too. They just uh, activated him off the IR today. So uh, for Jamon Moore, I'm, I'm going to give him a D grade. Um, granted, uh, that's, you know, Ross, we should have started with this by saying we're eight games into their careers. You know what I mean? So uh, giving him a D right now, D with the hopes that he's going to improve. But from his performance right now with his peers in the same draft class, he just hasn't uh, lived up to the same type of uh, the, the ability that his uh, his classmates have. So I'm going to give him a D. Well, right. And so, like, uh, let's just say the Packers, where they took, um, you know, Marquez, where they took St. Brown, take uh, another corner or take a tight end whatever you're not we're not having this conversation because it would not be weird for green bay uh or any team frankly to have a day three even top end of day three but a day three wide receiver that doesn't look like he's going to be able to contribute in year one uh you look at jordy nelson's year one production you're not going to see much uh same for you know, a, a lot of top-end receivers, not necessarily with the Packers. Uh, Green Bay has been lucky in the past. James Jones was a good rookie. Greg Jennings was a good rookie. Devontae Adams was kind of forced into action as a rookie. But it's not strange to have a, a receiver struggle right away in their career. That That's a very normal uh, type of deal. And frankly, I don't think if – if Valdez Scantling and St. Brown weren't as good as they are, we would be quite as critical of Moore being a fourth round pick and playing that very uh, advanced position. I mean, there are a lot of things that going in that go into being a receiver. And specifically, there are a lot of things that go into being a receiver in an Aaron Rodgers offense. Yeah, sure. And that's, that's more than fair. Um, to say that so would you just give him an incomplete at this point yeah I mean an incomplete or another C you know dead average like I yep. uh you you mentioned it 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 is asinine to even be doing grades of, of prospects eight weeks into season one of their 
career, but you know, we are a daily content podcast that focuses on one team. We, we, right. we got to make it if we're, we're going to make it. Yeah. And I think, and that's, it should more so be grading the first eight games of their, of, of their rookie season, you sure. know, not, not even looking at, you know, what do we think they're going to be? Cause honestly, you could make a case that every single draft pick say, oh, well, I still, you know, I still believe in his potential. Yeah. And you should, because it's eight games into their season, anything they've done um, good or bad, you know, whatever, you know, it's, um, we've been lucky to see a lot of really good performances. And then, like I said earlier, that's why I think, you know, if you're excited about Brian Gutenkus, then good, you should be because he, he's looking like he had a hell of a first draft class. Um, the next guy on the list is probably someone that no one's mentioned in a long time for obvious reasons. He's not on the team. Um, and we'll see. And uh, so obviously his grade is incomplete, but that's Cole Madison. And that, you know, it's weird. It's he's he's an interesting guy. He's, he's a talented guy. Um, I know, you know, we talked a, a while ago about kind of some of the off the field stuff that he had been going through. Um, and it, it, it seems like he's just kind of leery to continue playing football, um, which in this day and age can't fault the guy for. But as a talented guy, you know, the right guard position kind of being in flux as it is, you have to wonder at this point, if he if he shows up to camp, if he's there all training camp, all off season, is he the starting right guard right now? It's you know it's speculation, no idea. But he's the type of guy that next year, you know, say he shows up to camp, that's that's like almost like a bonus pick in next year's draft class. And I and I hope he does. Uh, well, I mean, I hope he makes the right decision for himself. But the selfish Packer fan in me hope he pl- hopes he plays and that he can see that we can see what type of uh, ability this guy has. Yeah, you always want to get the the you want to be able to if you have the lottery ticket you want to at least see if it's the right numbers you know uh, he he is as 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 any draft pick is a is a a lottery ticket and you know does he have a chance to hit yeah sure he could still be the best guard in the history of football but uh if he never plays we'll never find out and so that's you know just something that you you definitely want is the opportunity to at least see the kid in a training camp and uh, you know, maybe it'd be good for his development. I, I don't know if he's staying in shape, if he's getting stronger, what the deal is as far as, you know, preparation for the continuation of a, uh, of a professional football career, but it was basically a roster exemption this year. I mean, it's a guy that they did not have to panic about, do we cut him? Do we not cut him? And, and uh, the, I believe the last thing Gutekunst ever said was, I expect him to eventually be a part of the football team. And they have an open line of communication that we are completely not privy to. We'll figure it out. Yep. And so that's, yeah, just something to monitor moving forward. And um, hopefully it's a fun uh, story next year. Uh, next pick, 172. Uh, J.K. Scott, punter, Alabama. Uh, interesting in the news for a lot, very, you know, first of all, congratulations to, uh, to JK Scott for being, you know, the first 12 year old to be a father. Uh, but he's, uh, you know, his, his wife gave birth this, uh, this week, I think it was on Monday. So congratulations to him for real. Uh, and it was interesting because he's kind of had, you know, he's had an up and down rookie year. You see the potential, you, you know, as far as what a punter can bring to the table, you've seen the, the field, the field tilting ability, the field flipping ability, 
And so that's something I think that's really exciting. Um, but to have for a punter, I mean, you got to have one, so you might as well have a good one. Um, but it was interesting last week. I already forgot the guy's name, but whoever they signed for the week, you know, people were kind of freaking out right away and saying, well, what's the deal with J.K. Scott? Are we giving up on this guy? And you know, we spent a fifth round pick on him. And then it just turned out the Packers were actually kind of doing kind of a cool thing, actually, um, just to make sure that um, obviously J.K., you know, clearly wanted to be there for the birth of his first child. So the Packers made accommodations to make sure that they had, you know, their their stuff covered on their end. Um, so it was pretty neat, actually. But as far as his grade so far, I'd give him a I'd give him a B minus as far as a rookie punter, just because you've seen some of the booming punts, but you've also seen some of the shanks. Um, unfortunately, the his that shank uh, against the Rams kind of cost them big time. He picked a bad time to have probably the worst punch of the year. But for him, I'd give him a you know a B minus, which obviously talking about a punter eight games into his rookie season isn't the sexiest of topics. But hey. That's what we do here on Pack-A-Day Podcast. We cover it all. So I'll give him a B minus, Ross. Yeah, you know, for a while there, he was pro football focuses, top graded punter in the league. So you can definitely see his potential, uh, what type of player he has the ability to be. And, you know, at, at that point, you know, I, I, like I said, it's basically pre-free agency where he was selected. They decided that the punter from a season ago – was not going to be the answer. So they, you know, give this kid a shot. And, and I think you, you, you nailed it as far as could it have been better? Yeah. Uh, is it a disaster? Is it BJ Sander? No, it, it's been largely fine. Yeah. Um, so uh, if you're going to give him a grade, Ross, what would you tag on him? Uh, and this is going to, I mean, it's going to start to be C a lot, you know, <laughs> that's fair. That's more than fair. Um Ross is just going with your average. He's going with the safe pick. I like it. Um, the next pick, round five, 174, kind of the darling of this draft class so far. Let's make sure we get the name right. Marquez Valdez Scantling. No K in that name. Okay. So Marquez, who goes by Quez, has really been a revelation to this offense, truthfully, as a fifth round pick, almost out, you know, almost the, out of the top 200. Um, he's been a lot of fun to watch. He's, you know, in some of these games that they have not been playing very well. And our, our founder, Andy Herman actually tweeted out, uh, something I think that he just absolutely hit it out of the park, just saying, you know, whatever you think about this offense, bottom line is it's gotten really boring to watch. And so Mark Marquez has been really exciting to watch to say the least. I mean, he's averaging over almost 22 yards of catch. He's, only you know uh, trailing Deshaun Jackson in Tampa Bay, so that's been really exciting. So from where he was picked and what I think he has got in him, and I, you know he's he's projected Ross to have over you know like 750 yards receiving, which you know before this season we were completely talking about who's going to be this guy because we didn't know about Geronimo, we didn't really know behind you know Devonte and Randall who was going to be the guy to step up, and we were hoping one of these rookie receivers could give you like. 400 yards receiving and looks like Marquez is going to, you know, he's going to eclipse that hopefully if he, if he continues on this trajectory. So from where he was drafted, if I had to grade the first five or the first, uh, first eight games of his career so far, I think he's got to be an A plus uh, just because I think he's completely exceeded expectations. I think his upside is, you know, unlimited. I mean, he's got, what does he not have? You know what I mean? As far as athletic profile, so, you know, huge guy, fast guy, 
you know, just oozing with potential. So someone to be really excited about, but I would give him an A plus Ross. Yeah. I don't think there's another possible grade for, for Valdez Scantling. Uh, He is far and away exceeded my expectations. I think he's even exceeded what he put on tape at the university of South Florida. Uh, He has frankly exceeded expectations that you would put on darn near any any rookie wide receiver I mean period and uh has a chance to be special because as you mentioned there are not athletic traits that he doesn't possess those are not a real thing you know he he reminds me a little bit and I'm not big on comparisons but as far as just his athletic profile he reminds me of a little a little bit of Martavis Bryant just how big and athletic he is and I don't know what you think about that Ross um but that's kind of the vibe I'm starting to get from him is that he can be that type of that kind of that alien type receiver. So hopefully he can. Um, and as far as, you know, what, so we talked about upside with Jair, but same with this guy, what do you think just sky's the limit with him? Like what, where, what, what are some realistic year two and three type things for a guy like this? I, I mean, it depends on how he picks up the offense, but you just talk about like, if, if your opinion is that, you know, their RAS score is, their ceiling, you know, what just physically, like what are, what are this guy's, what's the most you can get out of him? It's, I mean, it's like Randy Moss and, and I don't think he's going to the hall of fame. I don't even know if he's going to end up being a starter, but just I'm talking about just raw athleticism. It is beyond elite. I mean, he, from a, from an agility standpoint, when you, when you throw it in with his height, his reach and his speed. Uh, like I said, there just are not athletic. There are not athletic gifts that he doesn't have. And there is a probably even still with what he's put on tape. Now there are still a better chance uh, that it doesn't all pan out perfectly than that it does. But man, if he even becomes 80% of the player that he's physically capable of being, he's a long-term starter. And, and to get that in the fifth round is, uh, just excellent drafting. Absolutely. And you want to talk about RAS scores. There was, there was few wide receivers in this draft class that had a, a you know, a, uh, a better, actually yeah, he might be better. I, I might be getting these two mixed up, but in, in any case, both of these receivers had very elite RAS scores. And the other one was Equinamius St. Brown, who coming into this year's class of the three receivers, he was the guy that I had the greatest graded. I had the highest grade on coming into this draft. I was absolutely shocked that he was there in round six at two Oh seven at a pick two Oh seven. And, and even more shocked that the Packers took him um, just because it just seems like guys that I've really liked in the past that have fallen the Packers, especially with Ted Thompson, just have never really picked those guys. Um, so when they picked Equinamius, I was kind of weirded out. <laughs> I was just like, wow, they actually, took someone that I'm a, I'm a really big fan of. And so he's, you know, we talked about Jair, ex, you know, going beyond expectations and Josh Jackson kind of being that guy that's flashed, but he's going on a, probably a more um, tradition, traditional uh, learning curve. And I would say Equinamius is kind of the, the Josh Jackson of, of the receiver group in, in the sense of he's flashed. He's done some very nice things. He is uh, someone that, uh, I really like his ability, and I like where he's come working. Both of these guys, I like their ability and, and how far they've come this season working at on the at the line of scrimmage and working on their release because that's one thing that I thought both of them were going to struggle with their rookie year, and granted, they still do. But 
Equinamius is someone that, you know, if you start thinking, and you just, you know, Ross, you do this too, you just kind of start daydreaming about, you know, let's say MVS hits, let's say EQ hits. I mean, those are two freak athlete, huge receivers that you can play on the outside. And then you have the footwork king himself. I mean, could you, like given Devontae a two-way release in the slot is, isn't even fair. And so you could you could potentially have those two on the outside with Devontae on the inside. So, um, you know, thinking about things like that just kind of – it just makes me giddy for the future, especially if they'd go out and get someone that would be creative with that. But so for EQ, I would give him – I would give him a, just a flat B in his first eight games because I think – He's kind of, um, honestly, from what I projected coming into this draft class, he's kind of done what I would assume he would do, even though the Packers got him way late. Yeah, so you're, I mean, you're grading based on your own expectations. Yeah, I'm just basically grading off of draft position, and for me, that's A-. minus. I mean, you can't ask that much more out of a six-round receiver pick than to do what he's done. Uh, I mean, he, he, he won them a football game. True. Yep. So, you know, that that catch against San Francisco, um, if, if that's a drop by whoever, undrafted free agent, Trevor Davis, I, I don't care. Um, if that's a drop by somebody that's not Equinamia St. Brown, they, they lose. Uh, well, maybe they don't lose, but they don't win right there, which is what they did. They won right there. The game was ended. So, uh, you know, I think, if we're realistically kind of putting him as a sixth round pick up against other sixth round picks, it's got to be an A something. And if you, you know, A minus because he's been a little bit inconsistent, but uh, I, I mean, r- the realistic expectations of a sixth round pick at that position are, are almost none. Right. And that's, you know, and that's, that's actually, that's an awesome point. And you think about it, if you're an NFL GM and you say, hey, you got the 207th pick right now. If you take this guy, he's going to win a game for you this season. You take that guy every single time. You know, right. so that's, that's a great point. And, you know, that's more than most six-round draft picks maybe even do in their career. So uh, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Um, and I, I, I'd probably move my grade up on him too. But uh, so he's, he's great. I'm looking at the rest of the, this draft class. As far as James Looney, not much we can say about him other than he is another guy that's got a, an elite relative athletic score. Um, he did, he kind of got a butt kick all preseason, but he is a freak athlete. Um, now I don't know if you want to comment on him, Ross, he's just, he's on the practice squad still. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously a little concerning that they brought up Lancaster, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you have to have some level of concern about, but you know, I've, I've said for a while and I take it, you know, not quite as far as, as justice does, but, uh, his big thing is the draft is four rounds. My big thing is it lasts five. Uh, once once you've gotten past the fifth round, we're talking about pre-undrafted free agency. So as far as I'm concerned, uh, Equinamius is an undrafted free agent that hit, you know, and, and and Looney is an undrafted free agent that didn't, and Lancaster is potentially an un- undrafted free agent that did. And, and that's the way that I look at, at everything, you know, uh, as far as draft expectations. So... Uh, but yeah, I think, like I said, that has to be pointed out, even if just briefly that, by the way, um, they had a UDFA, you know, jump him basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, 
And then, uh, so let's see the last two. So uh, guy that's on the roster, uh, Hunter Bradley, long snapper. I haven't really noticed that he, I mean, he's actually had some bad snaps. But yeah, I'm going to say that it has not gone seamlessly. But as far as, I mean, I don't know. I'm not, you, you talk about, I, I'm not a big, he hasn't, he's had some bad snaps, but it hasn't really, gosh, I, never mind. You kind of, you could kind of say that even that Detroit game, that maybe some of those snaps actually did kind of get in Mason's head a little bit. So but you're right. It hasn't gone seamlessly. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do at that position moving forward. I think the thing is, I don't know a ton about long snapping. So well, it's no, either, I, you know, uh, I, I might even give off a public, uh, per, you know, appearance that I know more about football than I do. But uh, one thing I will never try to, uh, you know, even pretend is that I know anything about long snapping uh, technique. I understand the layman's uh, understanding of what is and isn't a good snap, <laughs> but beyond that, I'm pretty worthless. That's and and you know you go back and you think about um, you know talking about well, gosh what kind of uh, Brett Good or Good whatever his name is. see like that's the thing I don't even really know how to say the punt the long snapper's name that was there for like ten years, but they talk about how he could snap the ball to a point where the laces were exactly where they wanted it to be when you catch it. And like yeah. just to hear stuff like that is absurd, and so I don't think Hunter Bradley's at that level, and that's the thing too, and that's what I was saying is is you know obviously it's something you can get better at, like anything, I guess, um, but how much patience do you give a long snapper? I don't know um we'll we'll find out <laughs> hopefully it doesn't cost hopefully Hunter Bradley doesn't cost them a game this year, and if he doesn't get on him, and uh they use a seventh round pick on him so. We'll see. And then their their last pick was uh, Kendall Donerson, who was probably one of I think he's in the top five for RAS scores from this last season. So he is a guy that I, I think is at least an interesting developmental prospect. And they actually brought in um, they brought in a guy Brady Sheldon from Ferris State. He's on the practice squad, uh, kind of who I would he's he's kind of comparable to uh, to Donerson just because. They got two freak, freaky athletic outside linebacker uh, edge rush players that, you know, chances are very slim that they they hit. But I at least like that they're going after these freak type athletes. So um, that's interesting for me. Uh, I don't think Donerson really has. I mean, he flashed a little bit in the preseason. He's been on the practice squad all year. I doubt he ever makes it up to the active roster. I mean, they've been carrying four outside linebackers and he hasn't come up yet. So. Unless there's an injury there, I don't know what they would do. Yeah, that, I mean that's an obvious C for me. You know, we we don't know. Uh, expectations have to be minimal, if any, frankly. Uh, yeah. So I'm I'm not gonna you know pretend to offer an opinion on Donerson. I think uh, I think it's a lot. Sm- I think it's smart what they did as far as um seventh round picks being a lottery ticket let's take an actual athletic lottery ticket and so uh you know i i just i wish that they still had kevin green <laughs> i think uh you know they used to people complain about the 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 edge rush and they should i mean it's not good but uh people forget just how much this defense got out of uh clay matthews and a bunch of absolute bumps uh, frank zombo eric walden uh, Desmond Moses, uh, Vic Sooto. I could I could go on forever. 
Andy uh, Mulumba. Yeah, all these guys. Right, Andy Mulumba. What, what what has you know the what's it what has Winston Moss been given since Green left? Oh, just you know Kyler Fackrell, top one hundred pick, and you may think he sucks, but he's top one hundred pick. Uh, Nick Perry, first round pick. Clay Matthews, first round pick. Vince Beagle, hundred and first overall pick. I mean, they've been given so much more than than Kevin Green was ever given. It'd just be nice to have him around uh, because I think he was really freaking good at his job. Mm-hmm. No, I don't disagree with you. He was, and he'll always have a special place in Packers fans' hearts from that Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl comment he made. But so that's you know, so that's what we got for uh, our our Thursday edition of the podcast. We will we can talk real briefly. We got there's Miami coming up. I saw. Did you see what the spread was on that? Last I checked, it was like seven five. Yeah, I mean, I think. Um, you would, I think you kind of have to shut it down if they lose this game. Frankly, yeah. uh, you, you got a home game against the Brockett ship. If you have any interest in competing this season, you win the game. That's yeah, and I'm I'm with you. That's where I'm at. Um, and I th- honestly, though, Ross, I think they do. I think this is, and this is the first, you know, in a while, the first game that they've gone into without really kind of having this over this looming thing over their head of like, wow, this is a really freaking good team. We got to play this week. Um, they, uh, Miami's not that good. They're, they should win this game. And don't let their record deceive you there. You know, they haven't been good since Brock's been playing. So I, I think the Packers win by not the bears. <laughs> oh gosh. That's yeah, that's true. Um, well, <laughs> Way to be the 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 bear of bad news there, uh, but no, I think this game's in Lambo. They they win by ten plus points. That's that's. Oh, I wasn't trying to be the bear of bad news. I was just making fun of Chicago. Yeah. Well. Yeah. No. Good. Good point. That's always that's always welcome. That's always legal here. Uh, so, um, your Chicago kind of scares me. Just but no, they still suck. So, anyways, all right. Uh, we uh, that's all we got, Ross. Um, hopefully in the next couple of weeks we can get that guest on here that we were talking about. And uh, we'll, we'll bring that to you guys. As always, uh, you can follow me at Jacob Morley. Uh, and you can follow Ross on Twitter at Ross Uglum. Uh, make sure you give uh, Pack-A-Day a, uh, a subscription and a rating on any, you know, whatever you get your podcast on, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever, all the all those things. So make sure you guys give us a follow. Um, we appreciate you guys listening. At, uh, and uh, as always, go pack go. Shotgun formation of third and 15 to the 46-yard line of Dallas. They empty the shotgun. Cobb in motion to the left side. Rodgers looks it over, gets the snap. Backpedals now under some pressure. Steps up, throws it over the middle. Good Adams! 30! Turns up field, 25! Cutting right to the 20! 15! 10! 5! Devontae Adams to the south end zone for the touchdown! Rodgers looks it over. Starts to his left. Now he moves, starts to the right side. Snap to A-Rod. Looking downfield, being flushed. Rolling left, winds up, rainbows it high.